Hey, it's Mike here from Music Radio Creative. Just before we get into this episode, I wanted to let you know about a free exclusive audio download for you as a podcast listener. If you'd like to claim it, head over now to mrc.fm forward slash play. That's P-L-A-Y, mrc.fm forward slash play and enjoy the episode. Want the exact Adobe Audition multi-track template we use to produce audio at Music Radio Creative? Get it at mrc.fm slash Hi, I'm Mike Russell from Music Radio Creative. Welcome to the Adobe Audition podcast, where I'm interviewing power users of Adobe Audition. We'll reminisce back to Cool Edit Pro and take you right up to date with Adobe Audition CC. If you'd like to learn about audio production, everything from vocal effects to radio imaging, commercial production to music mixing, join my next audio production course at mrc.fm slash learn. That's mrc.fm slash l-e-a-r-n learn. Master Adobe Audition. Training, workshops, one-on-one coaching, courses. Head to mrc.fm slash learn. My guest on the podcast today is the one and only, the product manager for audio at Adobe, Durin Cleaves, who has been wearing headphones on the Adobe Audition team since 2004. A lot of history there with that fantastic audio editor. Uh, his passion for audio, go back to his early days of hacking CB radios, and also eagerly listening for backwards messages in records of all genres. Maybe I'll ask him about that later. Jurin, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Mike. It's awesome to have you on. So first of all, obviously outside of the development of the Adobe Audition app, I'm curious to know, how do you use Adobe Audition? Well, you know, uh, actually, that's a good question. Last year, about this time, I realized that I hadn't done a lot of actual usage in a while, that I'd really been just focused on the development and the uh, and the features and all of that. And I decided I needed to get, get back into it. Um, so I actually spent, uh, far more time than I expected, uh, last year, uh, doing a dialogue mix and the final mix, as well as a theatrical surround mix and the Blu-ray mix for a, uh, documentary that was produced here, um, actually by, uh, folks who live just down the street from me. Uh, and it was, uh, it was, a pretty amazing experience. You know, I, they were a, a full Adobe workflow on their side. Um, I, I went in sort of evangelizing audition for the workflow uh, to begin with and then had the opportunity to just take it over and do most of it myself. And, uh, you know, it certainly helped me realize that, uh, you know, maybe where there here and there, there were some, some places we could do things better that we really hadn't considered before, but that uh, in the end, uh, I was just blown away at really how capable and um, usable audition was, especially when working so closely with uh, Premiere Pro Project and, and, and the editing team on that uh, that film. That's brilliant. And the audio video integration between Audition and Premiere is just getting tighter and tighter. So it's good to hear you say that as uh, somebody who is right there at the coalface creating the product that actually uh, you, you enjoy using it yourself and you do indeed use it in projects. So that's that's fantastic to hear. My next question is related to audio production advice. I mean, we hear advice from all corners on how to make audio sound great and uh, best practices and great techniques. I still have a memory a couple of years ago when we caught up in Amsterdam and you were telling me about the noise reduction feature in Audition. And I'd, I'd been previously cranking that up really high and getting that kind of fish tank or echo effect. And you said to me, oh, just 
just run it a couple of times lightly or two or three times lightly over the audio and you'll, you'll get a better result. So I remember that as being good advice to me on, on how to use in particular Adobe Audition, but just good audio production advice. And I'm curious if there's any advice you've ever been given about audio or producing audio or, of course, using Audition uh, that has been valuable to you. Yeah, that's a good question. I remember that uh, that conversation and I hope we get to have a couple more beers in Amsterdam again soon. In the meantime, yeah, some of the best production advice I think that I've received and that I've, I've tried to share is kind of generic. It's not specific to audition, but it's really when working with effects that aren't um, creative. We're not putting, uh, you know, crazy delays and wild pitch bends, you know, those kind of radio imaging style um, warping and, and, and sound effects. But and then there's also a place where you don't want people to know you're, you're changing the sound. You want it to sound as good as it can, but you don't want it to sound process. You don't want it to sound um, uh, very affected. And uh, so one of the best pieces of advice I've received and that I like to share is when working with those kind of tools, compressors and EQs, um, uh, the real uh, a real good trick is to adjust your settings until you you start just start to notice the effect uh, happening and then just dial it back just a touch um, and it, it it keeps it sounding very natural very clean um, and and makes the effects and the changes very subtle but very um, uh, they don't step they don't start to step over each other and uh, they don't start to be so noticeable that they draw the, the listeners or the viewers attention away from the actual content and the actual um, project itself that's cool. I really like that. And um, that's I've, I've heard similar advice on um, dialing in EQ as well. Um, the temptation is there to just, especially with the parametric equalizer, the, the wonderful graph with the, the dot points on it, to just drag them all up really high until you get this really crisp and amazing sounding vocal. And I've, I've heard advice where if you're going above 1 dB alteration on any of those dots, uh, you probably need to start again. <laughs> yeah, get a better recording. Actually, and you know, I, you know, it's great advice. I can't say that I always follow it myself, um, but it's certainly a, a something to aspire to. Excellent. So you work with a, a big team uh, based not only in the US, but all around the world creating uh, the Adobe Audition that we know and love. And I'm curious what the most challenging project you've worked on possibly recently uh, with the Audition team might be. You know, the one that's really kind of taken a lot of our focus and turned out to be a little bit more effort and uh, work than I anticipated has been the approach that we're taking to uh, the interchange experience with uh, Premiere Pro, especially, but video editing in general when working, uh, doing an audio mix and working alongside those video productions. Um, you know, the, the, the current workflows that are out there built around AAF and OMF files, you know, they're several decades old and they were built around this, um, this idea of uh, picture lock, which is this mythical, magical moment when a director or an editor looks at their video timeline and says, oh, man, this is perfect. I'm done. I'm not going to change another thing. And there's all this amazing amount of time for color and motion graphics and sound to come in and do their work. It doesn't happen. There's no such thing. Anybody in the production, post-production world will tell you picture lock is a lie. And so, so much time is spent conforming changes to, to the, the video timeline so that the audio production team isn't redoing a whole bunch of work, but it, it just adds up. And so we decided to try and tackle this by getting rid of this idea of interchange altogether. We want a life without interchange formats where there's simply a project and 
Premiere Pro is the ideal application for editing the, the video for that project. Audition is the ideal application for editing the audio and all the other Adobe applications are do what they're best suited for. Um, and uh, while it's a great vision and it's, it's a great uh, tagline for the, the team, uh, it turns out that it's, it's a lot of work. And so we're, you know, we're, we're getting there in incremental steps, but it's certainly something I wish we were able to do more quickly. But uh, I think it, we're absolutely benefiting from taking it a little slower, getting that feedback at each, uh, each step along that way as we, um, as we progress toward that vision. Absolutely. And it is a great project to work on. Um, just the fact that you can work with video and audio so tightly in Audition. And at the time of this this podcast going out, the uh, the latest version that's been around for a couple of months now has some fantastically uh, tight integrations with video and audio editing. In particular, I'm a fan of the fact that you can now grab and drag an audio clip and watch in real time uh, the video frames updating. Uh, so I, I just get fascinated and hypnotized by the fact that you can, you can drop a beat or... or insert a sound effect at the exact moment that something happens on screen uh, and so easily. So that it definitely has to be one of my uh, favorite features in, in the latest release. So uh, a, a noble but fantastic project uh, that you're working on there along with obviously Premiere Pro as well. Now I'm wondering, and if you like, you can drop an exclusive, but is there one cool thing that you'd like to work on that you haven't told anyone about yet? There's two things I'm fascinated with right now. Um, one is the, the strides that have been being made with algorithmically generated music or artificial intelligence music. Um, I remember, uh, listening to some, you know, years ago and it just, it sounded like a computer made a, a song. It wasn't interesting. There was nothing, uh, memorable, memorable about it. And then I dabbled in it myself as a little side project and realized that the reason there hasn't been a lot of progress is because it's really hard. Um, and uh, just the last several years, we're seeing several companies that have just developed um, amazing algorithms to to come up with music uh, based on genre or mood or criteria or even look, you know, timing of of uh, the content that it's going to be uh, associated with. I think that that's really an interesting way to uh, interesting avenue for for where some of the this audio creation technology is going, and. Um, Something else cool that I'd like to work on that I haven't told anybody yet, um, which isn't audio related, is uh, Adobe has this character animator software, which is just live capture animation. I'm so, I have such a crush on this application right now. I can't, uh, you know, I, I find myself doodling, you know, during animator on the back of my notebook. It's, you know, for school and different variations with hearts over the hearts over the eyes. It's just kind of silly. Um, it's a lot of fun and I'm, I'm really having a good time playing with it. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I've had a play with Character Animator as well. I understand that's been used um, by productions such as The Simpsons, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, the Simpsons did a live uh, call-in episode last year where Homer Simpson answered questions uh, live. Uh, previously, a terrible strain on the animator's wrist, but with Character Animator made it significantly more accessible and easier. Um, and, uh, yeah, it shows up all over the place. You see it on Disney Channel. You see it on uh, several others. Perhaps in the future, instead of appearing on the screen when I do my uh, little tutorial videos, I could have an animated Mike Russell puppet demonstrating. We're going to have cartoon Mike in the corner. <laughs> yep, That's so cool. And just before I get to the next question, going back to what you said about... Um, uh, the, the 
algorithmically generated music and using AI to generate music. That's uh, a really interesting topic. And uh, I've seen some of those sites too, including I think Duke Deck is is quite a popular one at the moment that's uh, trying to do that. My question to you on that would be, do you think that AI or this kind of algorithmically generated music or audio will ever replace the creator or replace musical creativity? Do you think it's possible to do that? I don't think that there's a case to be made that this is going to change music that we listen to because we, you know, we enjoy the the, the music itself, but there's so much music that's used as, um, um, to, to, to fill out, you know, content videos, uh, corporate videos, commercials, online advertising that the, 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 the music itself is supporting everything else, the, 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 the dialogue, the narration, what's on the screen. And a lot of folks and a lot of productions now use stock music and they'll use the same, you know, they'll go to the same stock websites that everybody else goes to. They'll download the, find the song. And I think, you know, I, I, I tend to have an ear for this. So I kind of hear, I'll see videos and I'll know, Oh, some other company used this exact same song on their advertisement or their commercial or their podcast. And, you know, I, I get the feeling that while there may be hundreds of thousands of songs, there's, you know, there's the same kind of uh, handful that are probably used most often and that, that can actually show up and uh, maybe cause some brand confusion. Or uh, in the case of you know, Facebook or YouTube, they may get flagged as a potential copyright violation if they haven't been cleared before. So I see algorithmic music sitting in that space where you don't just want a blank uh, a, 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 a narration or a voiceover with nothing supporting it. You know, you want to flesh it out, fill out that 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 soundscape, but. Um, you don't necessarily need something that has been labored over and, com- you know, like composed um, and is this amazing uh, result of this creative endeavor. You just need, uh, in those cases, some music that fits the mood and the genre and the, the style that you're going for. And I think that's where a lot of the, the AI music uh, organizations really kind of have their niche is being able to not necessarily replace, but supplement stock music and creative music services for places where maybe the budget or the um, effort isn't as necessary as it might be for for other projects. Now, uh, Duran, when you think back to your your childhood, obviously you've always had a passion for audio there. So what is your one memory around audio that makes you smile? You know, I'll tell you my first, my earliest memory about audio was... When I was really young, my mom had a, my mother had a uh, uh, tape recorder and uh, would talk to me when I was very young. And then when my sister was born and taking up some of that attention, she was part of it as well. But we'd sit around the tape recorder and just record uh, us at very, you know, at different, very young ages. And um, a couple of years back, I found that tape uh, in a trunk at her house. And so I brought it home and I uh, digitized it and put it on a CD and we all you know, over Christmas, we listened to it for the first time in probably 35 or more years. Um, that was a lot of fun. And I remember, even though I was really young, I remember the first time sitting around that tape recorder in the living room um, with my mom doing that. So maybe that, that may stick out as one of those nice little warm memories around audio that uh, 
I can dredge up from my <laughs> otherwise a little dusty brain. <laughs> and that's that's awesome. I mean, that's fantastic to hear because it just shows the progression of recording audio and how it, it started off with tape recorders and reel-to-reel machines and then splicing on reel-to-reel machines. And finally, there was the, 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 the kind of singular waveform that you can edit. I still remember, I think it might have been early Adobe Audition or late Cool Edit, uh, where you could start doing mixed pastes. No, I think, uh, am I right in saying the multi-track came in in Cool Edit Pro 2.0? Is that when the multi-track was first? I think you are absolutely correct. Wow. Um, very good memory. And that was that would have been the late 90s? Yeah, that would have been the late 90s, early 2000s, maybe. Adobe acquired Centrillium in 2003. Cool Edit Pro 2.1 had just come out. Uh, so it's probably, yeah, probably very early 2000s. So looking at Adobe Audition right now and the plethora of features there are there for audio creators in general, if you had to single out one feature that's your favorite feature in Adobe Audition, what would it be? Become a great audio producer. Learn the secrets of creating great sounding audio. Go to mrc.fm slash learn. Just one? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, then I'll... I'll uh, I'll take advantage of this to say, uh, well, I would love to talk about the spectral editing, which I've had the most fun with. I think my favorite feature uh, in the last couple of years has really been the uh, remix feature where we can take any song and uh, do an analysis and then recompose that to any other duration. I've had so much fun using that in ways that will never be <laughs> appropriate for uh, production. But, uh, you know, imagine taking the the Beatles White Album and making a version of that album that's only 60 seconds long. <laughs> wow. So cool. You know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but the, the it's a it's a lot of fun to experiment with. And it's it's so flexible that you can really experiment very quickly um, and build upon successes and quickly hide your your failures. That's so true. Actually, uh, just just before we got on the um, uh, on the internet to chat, uh, I was listening to Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. I wonder what that track would sound like if you made like a forty five or thirty second version using Audition Remix. That'd be interesting. It's a very you know, it's sort of a very progressive uh, rock type of song. Lots of changes, lots of stylistic and tempo differences. Um, you know, when we were testing that that feature when it was first being developed. I was throwing a bunch of music at it, the whole collection, and um, I found that uh, some of that some of that progressive rock era, you know, the classics, it, it does a terrible job with Rush. Anything by Rush, um, a lot of the, the the more interesting Led Zeppelin songs, it didn't do very well with. Um, but uh, you know, who knows? Your mileage may vary. I've thrown some some pretty difficult and dynamic classical pieces at it, and had surprisingly good results shrinking a you know 15 minute concerto down to 45 seconds or two minutes and um so it's i'm always surprised at uh, how well it, it it does with material i think is going to be particularly challenging just uh, for anyone listening right now who's not familiar with adobe audition remix what it will do is it will take a piece of music of a certain length. So it could be a three-minute piece of production music, as we've been talking about earlier. Um, but you need, say, 45 seconds for a, a video promo that you're creating. Uh, you can use Adobe Audition Remix to not time stretch, not pitch shift or anything else, but um, 
make splices in certain areas of the song, which the, uh, the I believe the algorithm detects as the correct place to splice the song. And you can get a fully edited version of that production library music from, say, three minutes down to 45 seconds or 30 seconds, if you like, 15 or two minutes, whatever you want. Is, does that description do it justice, would you say? Yeah, that's. A, I mean, it, it's, it does what it says. It remixes a song to some other duration. Um, my favorite, one of my favorite anecdotes, if, if we've got a moment, was uh, when we were working on that. It, it happened to be Photoshop's 25th anniversary at that time. And um, Photoshop makes Photoshop kind of a uh, revenue. So they bought themselves to celebrate. They bought themselves a 60 second commercial during the Super Bowl. And uh, they had this um, beautiful commercial produced, lots of beautiful graphics and being edited and very famous images that uh, were, were done in Photoshop. And the, the, the music behind it was uh, Dream On by Aerosmith. And uh, they, they sent it off. They had a, a professional audio engineer do the remix. Um, you know, it was probably several thousand dollars. It took a couple of weeks to get done, but we got it back and an absolutely fantastic remix. Um, it was worth every penny, but I decided to see, you know, uh, I wonder how, how remix would fare in, in audition, how that, that new feature would fare. So I pulled out the Aerosmith CD from my collection because I have an Aerosmith CD and, uh, put it in the drive. And I timed myself from the moment I ripped the song from the, the CD to the time I had a 60 second version sitting behind the, the video as it was edited and aired on the Super Bowl. It took me 45 seconds beginning to end. And arguably I had uh, as good or a better remix uh, come out as a result. Now, remix was not aware of the lyrics or the fact that, you know, most of us go and if we sing it at karaoke night, we nail the first verse and then nobody knows the lyrics to the second verse. So it, it chose to go ahead and use the second verse uh, in, in its remix instead of the first. But uh, apart from that, it was a fantastic, a fantastic edit. And uh, it could have potentially just dropped right into the commercial and most people wouldn't have been any wiser. Can you go under the hood at all with how remix is working, what it's looking for? So is it looking for beats or? Yeah, it does. It does several types of analyses. So it looks at every beat in the song. Um, and it, it does a, a, a harmonic analysis, a timbral analysis, a source-separated spectral analysis, a phase analysis, et cetera, et cetera. I think it does seven or eight different um, analyses for each beat. And it essentially makes uh, a web, a matrix of, of confidence between how well one beat can blend into the next beat uh, for every beat in the song. So that uh, once it's done this analysis, which generally takes five or six seconds for every minute of uh, duration of the, of the piece of music. Um, once it's done at once, it has this map in memory so that I can say, you know, I want a, a 60 second version of this song. And it finds the, the route along those beats that, that fits the uh, musical signature and the tempo that I've selected and uh, uh, comes closest to that time that I've requested um, with the highest level of confidence. And then there's some parameters you can say, I want to, you know, you can say, I will take more edits, you know, smaller clips, more edits along the way um, for a better result. Or no, I'd like to keep everything, you know, as few edits as possible and just accept longer clips or maybe favor harmonic. If it's a choral piece or an orchestral piece, I might want to favor harmonic transitions over more timbral transitions, which might be better uh, focused for, you know, a solo sax or a guitar, a lead guitar piece or, or something like that. Um, so it's 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 very fast once it's done that analysis, and it's it, it's very flexible in finding 
um, you know, being able to just quickly listen to variations and jump back and forth between um, different uh, different remixes and different variations on those those remixes. Uh, so looking at um, workflow and time-saving shortcuts in Audition, I really like the um, the feature that's uh, come out in the latest version. It's been around a couple of months now where you can uh, open a tracks window and show and hide different tracks in the multi-track. When working on a, a, a huge multi-track session where you've got lots of different vocal tracks and different music tracks, um, being able to preset those views is uh, amazing. It's definitely changed the way that I work with audio recently. What would be your amazing workflow or time-saving shortcut that you could recommend for Adobe Audition? You know, one of the things that I typically do when I first get a project is I will go through and color code my clips. Um, I'll select all the dialogue clips or even the dialogue clips that uh, are associated with a particular actor or speaker. I'll change those to one color. I'll change the other clips to different colors and I'll just separate my content visually uh, by color. It makes it so much quicker uh, to when I want to select a certain uh, piece of content or uh, all the clips of a certain element of my mix. Um, and it really lets me work a lot faster visually than I would if I was if I was getting in the general vicinity and listening to these clips and selecting them, you know, one by one um, based on on li- having to listen to them. It's one place where um, that visual assistance is really helpful. I like that. I really, really like that. Uh, so color coding clips and, um, and maybe whole tracks as well, depending on the content of the track. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, a lot of the projects that uh, we see. Uh, especially ones that come from an, NL, an NLE or a video editor, will kind of have maybe maybe some of the content. Music might be on its own track, and maybe a couple of sound effects will be on their own track. But when they're bringing in clips that are associated with video, they kind of just get put wherever they they fit. So there's not always a lot of organization around, say, dialogue and narration or voiceover clips. And so I'll, I will usually spend some time separating those out to separate tracks so that uh, individual speakers may be on their own track rather than uh, merged with, uh, you know, another another speaker or, or other random audio clips. Um, it makes it a, a little bit of work up front, but it makes it so much easier down the road. Love it. And Duran, what are your uh, go-to resources or um, uh, your your favorite bits of audio gear when you're creating audio yourself? Have you got any recommendations there? I love my mobile, my Zoom H4. Um, I've had it for a long time. Uh, I can take that anywhere, capture some amazing sounds. Um, some folks on the team, one, a couple of years back, we were in New York doing some customer, customer visits, brought that down. We just captured some amazing sounds on the subway, uh, in Times Square, just going around the city, um, capturing those things. So having that available, you know, it, it's small enough. You can just throw it in a bag and carry it around with you. And it just has amazing recording quality. So it really helps kind of uh, get those those natural sounds and those those uh sounds you may not have been able to capture otherwise and or find online if you were looking through through sample libraries um i really uh i really enjoy um i i I really for for my uh, own personal use i tend to use um the audio technica microphones uh for a lot of what i record myself so the at2020 i really love the quality uh it's 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 inexpensive enough that you know, I don't worry about it if I throw it into a backpack and 
you know, something happens, then it, I'm not losing one of these, you know, $800, $2,000 microphones that, uh, is that the mic <laughs> you're recording on now? <laughs> right now I'm actually, because of, uh, I'm on the laptop, so I'm just using a USB, a Samson USB microphone for this call. Um, okay. Is that the CO1U? Uh, CRO1U. Yeah. Awesome. So the, uh, the zoom H4, I, I've heard a lot of podcasters talking about that. So, uh, it's really good to hear you say that the zoom H4 is a, a go-to portable audio recorder at the AT 2020 from audio technica as well. Uh, anything else that you'd recommend or, you know, there's, uh, I've, I got started and I, I still have, you know, some very large control surfaces, mixing desks and consoles like that. Um, but we're seeing such a uh, we're seeing those get so small and portable now. Um, companies like uh, Soundcraft, which is is part of Harman, and um, the the control surface uh, modules for for mixing and, and, and having transport control that's not on the keyboard or the mouse. They're just so they're so handy and they're and they're so small now that they don't take up a lot of desk space. It really makes a lot of sense to have those around. Um, if you come and see us at trade shows like NAB or IBC, um, you might've seen that we have, we typically have on the audition work workstation, um, the pallet gear, which is the little modular, it was a Kickstarter project, a little magnetic modular, um, uh, uh, completely user assignable buttons and faders and knobs. And they're so much fun because they're not a whole control surface. They're not this big piece of gear um, that can be intimidating. They're almost like arcade buttons and, and, and sliders, and you can uh, assign them to anything. So if there's certain things that you're doing quite a lot, maybe adjusting a clip clip volume for a selected clip, and you get tired of going back and forth to, to the, the properties menu and adjusting it with the mouse, you can actually just assign that to this, this, this knob, and it's always there. It's always ready. Um, it's application aware. So if you switch from Premiere to another application, the, 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 the commands and the functionality of those controls can change as you switch the applications and they'll, they'll return when you come back. So I really have a lot of fun with that as well. Yeah, it's brilliant. Palette Gear, so tactile, so possible to easily make fades and switches and dial things in. And from what I understand, you can pretty much assign any piece of software to that kit. So I'm, I'm still waiting to see someone who, who decides to play an arcade game and assign the, uh, the keys and, <laughs> and the switches to that. That'd be quite interesting. Some great gear there. So finally, um, to wrap up, this has been a great chat. Uh, I'm curious what you would tell the next generation. So what would you tell a young and aspiring audio producer who would like to get into the industry? You know, I hope it's not... Uh too profound to say, just go do stuff, go start. You know, you don't have to be creating things. You don't have to go to school and, and be working on a, a project to just go make sound and make video and make things. Um, I think that most of the people I know, that's how they got their start. It wasn't that they went to school and learned to trade and just did it. They were inspired to go make a video or go record themselves, start recording music. Um, whether they had any skill or not, you know, they, they were able to learn that on, uh, along the way. And uh, I think that that's, maybe it's, you know, it's old advice, but it's, I think it still holds true and it's still about the most valuable piece of advice uh, anybody can give is just go do it. That's brilliant advice. I love it. Just start, just get started and learn along the way. Um, and audition makes that super easy as well. I mean, uh, remembering back to, to using it from the early days, it's an intuitive piece of software. And uh, as an audio person, I just never 
fail to be impressed by the kinds of things that you can create inside a piece of software like Audition. It's just, it's stunning. And I never think you know everything. So I always think there's something else to learn or another technique to learn. And there's so much you can learn from others. So brilliant, brilliant chat. Um, really, really exciting to hear about everything uh, that's been happening recently with the Audition team. I really look forward to what is to come in the future as well. Um, it's fantastic to be celebrating 25 years now. I just wonder where we'll be 25 more years from now with, with Audition and with audio creation in general. Uh, but Duran, it's been an absolute pleasure. Duran Gleaves, the product manager for audio at Adobe. Thanks for joining me. And if uh, anyone was interested, where could they find you online? Uh, you can always reach me at uh, on Twitter, at Duran Gleaves, or um, via our corporate uh, at Adobe CC Video. I'm also on the Audition forums all the time. And uh, honestly, I'm not that difficult to find. Google my name. There's not too many of me out there. Awesome. Durin, thanks for joining me on the show. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Mike. This has been great. If you want to grab the exact Adobe Audition template I use, head over to mrc.fm slash presets. That's mrc.fm slash presets. And you can grab my Adobe Audition multi-track template there. Hey, it's Mike back again, and I just wanted to let you know, as a podcast listener, to go and grab your free exclusive audio download from us here at Music Radio Creative. Just head over to mrc.fm forward slash play.